Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. 104 to 107 nationwide, SFM leading at the late night conversations and on DSTV channel 814. My name is Patricia Dooley. We are now talking to uh, Nicolene Skuman Lowe, who's the director and founder of Skuman Law Incorporated. Nicolene, thank you very much for joining us once again. Good evening. Thank you so much, as always, for having me. It's always a pleasure having you here. Today, you're going to be giving us some uh, advice on understanding how one can expand their business by incorporating suppliers, agencies, and even, um, you know, uh, distributors, and how this works in terms of uh, the legal side of it. So perhaps let's set, let, let, let's set uh, the tone here by giving an understanding why a business would want to... Um, take up any of these options? Well, I think first and foremost, it's worth mentioning that as businesses, at some stage, we get to a place where we need to grow and expand and scale, as as the experts call it. And when we are on that crossroads, we need to make some critical decisions. So some of us opt for insourcing or in other words employing people to fulfill some of these functions we would be discussing now and others are a little more conservative perhaps careful and decide to use a collaborative model where most of these functions are outsourced and I think it's telling of the times that we are living in that these conversations around when you insource and when you outsource Um, have become absolutely critical. Now, I'm not suggesting um, foregoing employment, absolutely not. I think what we are seeing in industry is that most successful businesses have successfully grown and stayed relatively stable during these uncertain times are those that have critically known how to create hybrid models, when to employ or insource, and when to collaborate. So that, in my mind, would, would be the relevance of us having this discussion. Mm. You know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's coming to mind right now as we are talking that a lot of these digital companies right now, these online companies, have uh, opted not to hire people directly, but give people the option to become either an agency or a supplier or uh, an independent contractor or distributor. Uh, and I'm talking about some of these delivery services and uh, mm. e-hailing services. And clearly, these are are ways of moving business in this new age of technology, but also as businesses are cash-strapped, they are looking at new ways on how they can conduct their businesses. I I do agree with you. I think um, the rise of technology as well as the effects of the pandemic has a lot to do with what we are seeing in terms of what people are actually doing and how they are moving business forward. But with that being said, I think um, even though we business is being stretched to remain innovative and to cut costs and you know to to pull in the belt, proverbially speaking, I, I also think that as businesses, you know, there isn't one size fits all. So if you are on a crossroads and you're needing to do more, increase your business, increase your reach 
then I would say it depends on the function. Now, I, I heard that you were having a talk about the Poppy Act, and, and this would be a, a keen or key component in deciding whether you hire, um, in other words, employ someone to fulfill a function, or whether you outsource. It's all about the level of access that you give that person in terms of your information, your data, your um, confidential, commercially sensitive data. And an employment scenario may be much safer. Why? Because you confine that person to only work for you. That's what most employers do. There's a degree of exclusivity, right? And we engage employees with expectations on certain modes of conduct. Now, I'm not saying when you outsource, you can't contract in terms of outlining your expectations and keeping people accountable. But the problem is with a, an outsourced facility, whether it is a person, a company, um, whatever form it takes, your risk is exponentially larger when it comes to access to very sensitive bits of information that make your business um, successful at the end of the day. So I would say considering the level of access that this person or group of people will have from an, a data perspective is a key component. And secondly, capacity. Outsourcing, um, if we think of bookkeeping services or IT services, those are things that companies, regardless of what your business is, tends to outsource in some way or form. And it only makes sense if it is cheaper for you to do so and whether you get the service level you expect to get as opposed to having someone full-time that only does that. So there comes a time in your business where you need more and your outsourced facility cannot give you more because they also have other clients. Um, or your workload is just too much. Um, and, and it's a capacity issue on both sides, differently put. So although I think technology businesses um, come to mind when we look at these components, it's very important also to remember that it really depends on a very specific scenario. And it could be wise for you to engage in outsourcing, but it really depends on what you're aiming to achieve and what the risk level would be if you do so. Let's go to a bit of a break, Nicoline. We'll be back and uh, we'll continue talking about the differences of these uh, particular um, elements when it comes to business. A-teamers, remember the number that you can interact with us on is uh, 41391 on SMS and WhatsApp 0614104107. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Speaking to Nicolene uh, Skuman Lowe, uh, who's the director and founder of Skuman Law Incorporated, and we're talking about the differences between a supplier, agency, and a distributor relationship. So, Nicole, Nicolene, can we uh, go in here uh, and uh, just look at the supplier or customer relationship? So, if we if we look at um, the the collaborative options that a business would have. First and foremost, the one that often gets confused with an employment contract that really shouldn't, it, it just spells danger for all concerned, 
is your independent contractor agreement. And essentially the difference is, and, and I want to make this very clear to employers, if you need to employ someone, then employ them. Don't look at engaging in agreements to circumvent things like um, overtime or um, benefits and that sort of thing, which we often unfortunately see. And, and why I'm mentioning this is to say that your independent contractor agreement is always based either on another one. So think of the building industry where there would be different service providers dealing with different components of a construction project. Um, it's project bound or it's based on another agreement or on a task. And once it's over, it's over. And there's no exclusivity. In other words, your contractor is uh, able or freelancer, some use it in the uh, context other than construction is free to work for anyone. Now, if you are in doubt as to whether the person you are wanting to engage is an independent contractor or an employee, and but but you're not sure, then I always say to clients rather engage them as a supplier. Why? Because it's clear cut. You uh, you engage the person or the the company. On the basis that they'll render an invoice, you'll agree on what service they will deliver or which goods they'll deliver and how to deal with issues between you and exit in simple terms. Similarly, if you know you, you're not engaging on an employment level, but you're not sure if it's a supplier or an independent contractor, of course, get advice to distinguish between the two or in doubt the safest bet would be to engage as a supplier. So it's important because these tend to overlap and, and often find their way into different agreements. So it's important for you to, to clearly understand which one is most appropriate in which circumstance. Otherwise, it could have dire consequences for both parties, really. And, uh, you know, talking about the independent contractors, is it correct that an independent contractor is given a restraint of trade? Well, it depends on the um, industry. So if we take the construction industry, for example, no, usually, usually there's no restraint of trade. But if we think of the software space, for example, if a development project um, for new software needs to happen, often different IT professionals are needed to build the technology. And usually it's so innovative that they need to be restrained from taking the knowledge that they have and going to apply it elsewhere at the competition. So it's an ethical component, but it depends on industry. The, the problem is that when we see abuse of independent contractor agreements, is that people start regulating things like when you, as the contractor, um, what, how do you go about not coming to work on a specific day or taking leave or something like that, something that you would, you, you would normally associate with an employee. Now, this person isn't in your employee. They are just fulfilling a specific task, function, or, or helping on a project. So you cannot really impose the same stringent oversight as you would on an employee. And the minute you start seeing these components in such agreements, those parties always run the risk of the CCMA or similar institution saying, but 
this is actually an employment contract in disguise. Mm-hmm. There we have it. Okay, so let's go to the agencies. What sort of agreements need to be, um, uh, you know, drafted up if someone is uh, becoming an agent to a company? And uh, what are the legal repercussions there? Agency, I think, um, is so underutilized and it's so powerful. Thinking of, for example, sales reps or um, even estate agents, these guys are able to, to engage in multiple projects and they get paid a commission. Now, of course, it's not the same in every industry, but it's a powerful tool for a business wanting to expand and not having the budget to employ 20 or 30 sales agents as employees. And it leaves the sales agents to spend um, X amount of time um, on the business and to gain a commission from it. So it could be quite lucrative both ways. Employer or business gets what they want um, from an expansion point of view, and agent is able to, to earn a commission from multiple sources. So it's really underutilized. Now, often also confused with a distribution agreement, the rule of thumb is quite simple. An agency is different in its core because it allows the agent certain powers. In other words, think of a sales rep that visits you and shows you a catalog of products or services. They tell you about the products. They tell you how the warranties work. And of course, it comes with a little bit of responsibility. So it's not all moonlight and roses, unfortunately. If you are wanting to engage an agent in your business, it's important to think carefully what they can and cannot say on your behalf, what they can and cannot do on your behalf. But if it's structured correctly, it's a very powerful expansion tool and usually at lesser of a price tag because it's based on actual sales that are made and a commission is payable from there. Distributors usually buy stock and on-sell it. So think of those well-known appliances that you find in your general dealer store Those are sometimes from overseas or from a national office, but essentially these stores act as sales agents or distributors of that particular appliance. And some of them have done this so well that products that are made on the other side of the world have found their way into our kitchens and, and homes. So that's much less risk for an employer or for a business. Um, because, again, it's not an employment relationship, firstly. Secondly, the stock gets purchased and resold, and you regulate the, re- uh, the, the retail price so that you don't have unfair competition and that sort of thing stemming from it. But, again, a useful way to distribute your products, even software products, across borders and even across continents at a fairly low risk, in a cost-effective way. You know, I think it's very important for businesses and the people who go into these agreements to understand them because I know one of the, the e-hailing services are already uh, saying they no longer want to be seen as suppliers or independent contractors. They want to go and uh, change contracts so that they become employees of the company to gain the benefits. But when they signed up, obviously, they knew what they were signing up for. 
it's it, it's it's very critical, I think, uh, Nicolene, that we all understand uh, from business perspective and uh, uh, from consumer or even supplier, mm. distributor or agency perspective, what we are signing up for and what the benefits are. Who should be drafting up these contracts for us or who should be uh, taking a glance, a second look at them for us to have our best interest in mind? Well, um, firstly, if, if you're looking at affordable resources and um you know there's a lot of small businesses out there we know times are tough we've created a platform called contracts for biz and it hosts all these documents that we were just speaking about at a fraction of a price of the price that you would normally pay if an attorney were to draft it for you now it's a good starting point it's a trustworthy resource um and if you need to unpack it discuss it, uh, any law firm would be able to assist you, including ourselves. Um, but it's it's critical, I think, um, regardless of tech products that are out there, as the one I've mentioned, um, to take advice, to speak to professionals in your inner circle. Uh, please do speak to your attorney. Um, and then, of course, there are financial and tax implications with any contract. Um, and it's important that both sides understand those consequences and structure the affairs appropriately. So do get the advice from a tax and accounting professional as well. And it's important, I think, as industry evolves, we need to evolve with it. So I'm not saying by anything that I've said that don't employ. In fact, I think, as I said in the beginning, it's important for all of us to keep our fingers on the pulse of what is going on out there. And what is the need for, from our team's perspective, our outsource team, our insource team, where do we find that balance in terms of not only safeguarding the business, making it grow, but also taking care of the people in it, so, internally Nicoline, and externally. Nicolene, can you give us the website where people can be able to get hold of you and the information you've just given us? Sure. Um, our web address is www kumanlaw.co.za uh, you'll find our inquiries email address as well as our phone number on the website. Excellent, thank you so very much and have a good evening Same to you Let's go to Zolega Kodashe with the final news bulletin. Good evening Zolega